You're listening to Sourced with Stu Finer. number six. Thank you for receiving me very well, extremely well. I'm honored. 5,000 every podcast, and I wanted to go to 10, then 100,000, then a million. Get the word out there that I am the source, and I'm funny, if nothing else, which pretty much nothing else. But I have owned Thursdays, and I'm so happy that the universe is aligned, the planets are in line, the stars are aligned, there is a God. Yes, you cannot win money gambling period, and especially if you're going to be a sucker and going to lay what you think should happen, like for example last night, how did the Cincinnati Bengals look that bad? They look like worse than the Jets. They look like the worst team in football. Now, absolutely what happened is the top five ranked Houston defense played out of their minds. The Texans defense played out of their minds their spiritual leader, and the best player, and a guy that can generate $33 played out of his mind, defensive player of the year, best defensive player in football. So everybody bet Cincinnati. The game went from three to seven, seven, seven. And it wasn't a quarterback injury, and it was nothing. It was just how bad the Texans looked. And they looked like they were going to get killed and how desperate the Bengals supposedly were. I mean, how haven't you fired this coach already? Marvin Lewis, are you serious? Are you serious? Bye-bye. Let's clean house. Clean house with Andy Dalton, too. Fuck him. What have they've done for the Bengals? Put him in the playoffs and get killed? I mean, one and done with no shot? Please. I think it's done already. But anyway, it was a sucker play. Similar to the prior Thursday where the Chiefs upset the world champs, that was a sucker play. So you bet New England because on paper it makes sense that they'll have the momentum. The Super Bowl champs, uh, Goodell's there, Brady wants, uh, Belichick wants to, you know, piss on them, blah, blah, can't lose. Chiefs, not as good quarterback matchup. Anybody compared to Brady's not going to really work. Smith gets no respect. Was amazing on Frisco. He's been amazing on Kansas City. Gets no respect still. I have no idea why. The guy's amazing. I mean, the guy's an amazing quarterback. You put the team around him, he could win a Super Bowl. And, you know, the way they rolled into New England in the fourth quarter made him look fucking stupid. They look like they could win the Super Bowl, the Chiefs. But be that as it may, the bottom line is this. There are no sure things in gambling. Anything can happen. And pretty much what you expect to happen, the direct opposite happens. The direct opposite (laughs) happens. Like the Texans win outright, which I told you they would. I told you it would go under. I told you New Mexico was going to cover. I told you it would go under. But again, it was more you than me. It was like if everybody in the fucking world's bet one side and can't win. And last night, there was not a person on this planet besides my fucking customers and maybe some who had the balls. But everybody was on the Bengals like it was free money. 
just like the prior Thursday, everybody was on the Patriots like it was free money. My point, there's never free money! If it looks like free money, that means it's not free money! That means you're gonna get fucking killed! P.S. Making sense, betting the Bengals, and just committing suicide in your mind for three hours because that game must have just blown your fucking mind if you bet the Bengals and you think they were going to show up because they are horrible. Look at that team. They're as bad. They're as bad as they looked the week before. Like, they're that fucking bad. You have to fire the coach. I get rid of Dalton. Fuck it. Clean house. They're going absolutely nowhere. Even if they, you know, even if they have a miraculous year and end nine and seven, ten and six, 11 and 5, let's say, you know, whatever's their highest cap, let's say if everything runs right. They're one and done in the playoffs. Dalton can't win. So, but again, the point becomes, please, don't bet money you can't afford to lose. Bet your balls if you can afford it. If you can afford it. If the, if the money means nothing. Because, again, last night, it was shown that the direct opposite of the, what the mind will tell you and your eyes have told you from past game and from their problems over last two, three years, even though it's the best the Bengals have looked. But going forward now, you know, I clean house. But uh, I'm going to give you three gambling stories and I'm going to talk about the winners now. <laughs> I did win! I did win sometimes! I lost more than one. Of course, it's gambling. But I did have some winning stories, and here we go. So now, my wife is three months pregnant with my son, Sean, my first boy, my baby. Uh, we get married March of 88. We go to Italy on a honeymoon. We go two weeks Italy, two weeks on a cruise. I got married 198. I came home, give or take a month later, at 228. <laughs> and and trust me, I didn't full blown binge because I would have come back 250. So, me and my wife look at each other and go, you know, fuck having kids. This is too much fun. We're just gonna party for the rest of our lives. P.S. Next day, she's pregnant. <laughs> wow. So. She looks me in the eye and she says, listen, I do not want you stoned for these kids. I'm like, okay, fine. So, I mean, it took me like two months to stop, but so Sean was three months, she was three months pregnant with my future baby, my oldest, Sean. And I stopped smoking pot. And I do not take a hit again until this day. So my third son is born, Ryan Finer. February 10th, 1995. And my three best friends, uh, Curtis, who moved, Farmingdale Dale, who moved to Colorado, uh, 77, 1977, great athlete. Um, my friend Kenny Abeles, who grew up with me in Viceroy on Ernest Street. My parents, my father at least, still owns the house on Abbott Street. And Kenny owns on, mother owns on Ernest, and that's where he grew up. And my friend Glenn Fain from Lewis Street in Viceroy, too. So these were all childhood friends. And it was just a real funny time, just absolutely funny with them. So this is what we do. 
they come, Ryan's born, I go to the hospital, I see Sandy, I see Ryan, I come back to the guest cottage, and these guys are like, Stu, we have to smoke. I'm like, what do you mean we have to smoke? They're like, we have this Thai stick from, you know, Thailand, like the best ever. So if you don't know what Thai stick is, you get fucked up. Smoking Thai stick is probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> you get fucked up! Legitimately stoned! Legitimately, holy fuck! Like whatever the dabs are now and blah, blah, and you can fucking base 100%. This Thai stick got you more fucked up than anything ever! So after not smoking from 1988 to 1995, my first son was born Christmas Eve, 88. And then my second son was born on May 13th, 1991. And then now Ryan's born on February 10th, 1995. So normally in the past, you know, we always play the numbers when a baby was born. And then in those days, my birthday, Sandy's birthday, we'd always go to Atlantic City, probably go to my brother and sister-in-law, Kevin and Cindy. And we would always play numbers. So we get stoned. And the minute I'm stoned, now I say we're going to Atlantic City. So I call Republic Airport, rent a plane. It was like three grand, rent the fucking plane. We go on the plane. We go to Atlantic City. And I don't really have that much in my pocket. And obviously, I got clearance from Sandy because I called her. And I said, honey, um, can we play the numbers? And she said, sure, go. So that was that night. So the baby was born, you know, in the morning. And then we're going that night to Atlantic City. So it's still his birthday. So, you know, I'm playing 10 on roulette. That's all I'm playing. That's all I'm playing. That is all I'm playing! Playing 10. So my plan is pretty simple. I think the table limit where we were going, I want to say it was only 200. Because some places had three. And very rarely did you have five where you could put 500 on a number. Because, you know, you're getting paid 35 to 1, so you can bang him out for whatever. You could hurt him 18500 coming back on a nickel. You know, you could kill somebody. You know, plus if you get on a roll, then with the money, you're going to spread it out. But I am going there only playing 10. So my plan is to bet 200 on 10 and then hit that for 7000 and then press the 7000 and then press around all the numbers in even, you know, getting only 25% on the number, you know, just capturing it with other numbers and seeing if we can get hot. So we smoked this tie stick. I'm so fucked up. I mean, I am beyond, it's better than advertised. Just laughing with my best friends that I've been with now. So it's 1995. So I knew these people, Curtis, I met in probably 1974, Howard Jr. High School. Glenn, I've known since I moved in, which was like 1970, because I moved from Brooklyn to North Massapequa. So we're at the guest cottage, made plans. I think the plane held 20 people, but it's only me and three people. Me, Kenny, Glenn, Curtis. And I'm stoned, and I haven't been stoned in seven years. 
I don't think I told Sandy we were even stoned. Uh, she probably knew. She probably knew. I probably did tell her, matter of fact, because we were so fucked up. Couldn't even talk. So we get on the plane. We have a limo pick us up. We go directly to Trump Plaza. Go right upstairs. I think I had like a grand in my pocket. I don't know why I did not have a lot of money with me. And in 95, I probably made like 1.5 million. And then I was making probably another half a million doing other stuff, you know, whatever, coming in. You know, this was un no stopping me at all. And I had, at the time, 220 full and part-time people work for me. We were doing... I think we did 12 million in 95 because we did 14 million in 96 and then we did 16 million in 97 which was my best year. And that was 800s and 900s combined. We did 8 million on 900s and 8 million live. And then the out of the 8 million on the 900s I wrote like 7 million of it. My 900 8603210 was a $25 number and that was writing like 4 million. And I threw it to a $50 line, which I think it was like 900-860-2121. And that $50 line was doing like almost three and three million. So I was doing seven and a half, I was doing seven million, six million, and then the other numbers did like another two million, 1.8 million. It was that, it was that scary. We were untouchable, but the two final numbers were the biggest in the country at that time. But I don't know why, so I only had like a thousand bucks in my pocket. And, uh, but I had credit cards where I could get 20, 30, 50 grand. And that was normally my MO. I never really, if I had money in my pocket, the rule of thumb was I lost it within five minutes. So I'd rather have it on credit cards to slow me down a little bit, to see what I'm doing. Let me just take the money off the cards so I can check it. And then I go to the casino. So I only had like a grand in my pocket. So we go to, we go to the Trump Plaza, go up the steps, and we're just, you know, everybody knows what we're doing. I'm betting 200 on 10, pressing, pressing. So we immediately get there. I don't even hesitate. The roll ends. You can bet. I cash in the 1,000, and I put 200 on 10. Immediately, balls rolling, 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 rolling. Ten! 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 So now I have in front of me, I don't know, 7,000, give or take. And I just press 200 around everything. So 200 around, straight up, and then 200 on all of the numbers that were directly next to me and then 200 on the numbers that I had to split like six ways and two numbers that I had to split like four ways all the way around. So I just dumped all the money back in and the ball's rolling, 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 rolling. Ted! 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 So I don't remember how much I invested out of the 7,000. So I probably invested like at least four of it or whatever, whatever the fuck it was. And now I have 35,000 in front of me, 35,000, 35,000. 
So then I take a ton off the table because, you know, I can't bet the, I can't bet anymore because I'm, I'm all maxed in. And then third roll, Ted, 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 ends up my $200 first bet, which was the only thing I ever got risk for. So I cashed in for a grand. So I had 800 in my pocket from Jump Street. I left with So I get a good idea. My wife's engagement ring, she left home. So I get the engagement ring and which eventually became like the wedding ring. I traded engagement ring in for the wedding ring. So it wasn't her original ring and now I'm taking that ring that she doesn't know about. She left home in the safe. And I'm going to the city to meet my cousin because now I'm going to upgrade this ring because all the money that I won didn't matter because if I was alone and she's in the hospital for a couple of more days, it could have been gone the next night, you know, and I, I knew that. So I, my cousin owned Jules Italia. So we go to Manhattan. I think it was on 45th and 7th. And uh, now she's on the uh, jewelry exchange. Now she's on the gold exchange. Um, And I went there, gave her all the money, and I gave her Sandy's old ring. And I upgraded it to like $150,000 fucking ring, you know, like whatever, you know. I got a great deal, gave 90% of the cash, I, you know, the other 10% I just spent, you know, on flowers and shit when she came home. And it was like, you know, that was one of the greatest hits ever. So from 200, I made 71,000 and I put it into her ring and we still have the ring. So, you know, that ring's probably worth now about a hundred and a half. So, you know, rings doubled what I spent. So really that 200 bucks made me $140,000 and I'm living proof that that's exactly what it did. Cause it did. And it happened. And I still have Sandy. Well, it's not my ring. Sandy has the ring. You know, I'm never going to see that ring or anybody from that never wanted it. But that was like my best hit. So for 200, I made 140 grand. That was probably the best bet of my life right there. I mean, besides marrying my wife, let's say. But the best bet of my life right there. 200 rolled into 140,000. So that was a nice hit. That's number one. Second story, which was absolutely nuts also, was I got a credit line at the, uh, I think it was the Trump Castle. or No, it was the Trump Plaza, excuse me. Excuse me, let me stand corrected. It was Trump Plaza. Because after Trump Plaza, I never really got much credit after that. Trump Plaza. So I get a $50,000 credit line. Now, we're starting to bleed at my office where I have like 220 people that work for me. I have a staff of, out of the 220, 30. So really, I have 190 people, and then I have a 30-person staff That includes my wife, it includes my sister-in-law, it includes um, a CFO, it includes an accountant, it includes two assistant accountants under them, Sandy and Joyce looking at all the books, we're writing like 
you know, like I said, 16 million. So you have to proof out the money. You know, you have to proof out a million and a half, two million dollars. You know, there's there's no two ways about it. So I'm not making payroll. I'm not making it. I'm short between seven and thirteen thousand every week. So the only people that knew this in the world were me and Joyce, because you know Joyce would do the payroll Sunday night, proof it out Monday, and then she'd give me a number Tuesday. And, you know, whatever, whatever that number was, let's say it was 40 grand, it could have been 100 grand, it could have been as much as certain weeks, 200,000 in payroll. You know, a week, a week, a week. I sold a 1995 Yellow Viper, in 19, I bought it in 95, I sold it in 97 for 40 grand because I had to make payroll. You know, so in those days, you know, you have to make fucking payroll, you know. You got to pay your people, you know. You can't be late ever, ever, ever. So... So I get this fucking credit line. I call Republic Airport. I get a plane for sixteen hundred. It's it's seated eight, and I was the only person on the plane. And I got the casino, um, the plaza to pay for it. And they would I would fly in, and they would have a limo waiting for me, and then I would go to the casino. And my plan was to play dice, and my plan was to catch uh, a roller that was hot, and not me. Never me, because I grab the dice and I'm one or two and out, you know, and it's proven. My wife held the dice for two hours once where I rolled like 300 into 20,000. She can do it. I can't. But I can bet into a hot roller, not rocket science. If you can find a hot roller and anybody can bet into a hot roller, but I can bet and I press. So take the plane, land, limo room, order room service, whatever I'm going to eat. I'm, I'm about 187 pounds, so a uh, little heavier than I am now. So I eat, and then I go downstairs. And I wear the same clothes every time. I immediately take the $50,000 credit line out, the whole thing at once, at once, at once. So I have it in front of me. So I wait for a guy to come and roll, and I'll bet into him soft. And then if he makes a number, then I'm firing. I'm just fucking firing. Well, firing, what means is, let's say, I'll bet 2,000 on the line. I'll bet 6, 8, 10 behind it. I'll play immediately out of the box. I'm going to spread 500 per, per $500 on every number across the board and just press. So we were short like 12,000. And the first time I went there... I pressed into a guy immediately, and the minute I was up 15, I cashed out. Cashed the fuck out. I caught him immediately. I was only there maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes actually on the table, maybe 20 minutes. It took me longer to cash in, take the fucking whole 50,000 out, sign all the papers, have them fucking take the chips, then, take, then put them in front of me, a whole fucking charade goes on forever. You understand what I'm saying? And waited, waited. You know, this guy made a number and I just fired. And he just got hot. You know, it was no, he made, made two eights and he made a four and he made a ten and he made an eight. And uh, 
I was out long before that whole run even ended because I was there watching it because then, you know, they had to pay me out and are you sure you're leaving? I had to pay back the fucking 50000 I had to leave with 15000 I had to leave with a cash. No, they can't give me a check. I need cash because we had to put cash in the bank to make payroll. So that was trip number one. Trip number two was almost the exact same, but we only needed nine, but the woman that was rolling rolled number after number after number before she made her actual point. She rolled, you know, let's say a number was nine. She'd roll four sixes, four eights, two, two, you know, two, two tens, two fours, three fives. And then if a number was nine, she would fucking roll the nine. It was crazy. So we made, I made uh, $20,000 in maybe, I don't know, under 30 minutes, under 30 minutes, under 30 minutes, same thing, take the 50,000, pull it out, make 20. Third trip, same exact thing, made 11. Now, Joyce was always worried about that if I died, she would have to tell Sandy that she knew about this, because the only people that knew, let's say, you know, that's it, it was me and Joyce, because she was checking the payroll, and that was the bottom fucking line. And I won for five straight trips, totaling, you know, I mean, the actual total was, you know, like over $100,000. So I averaged 20000 a trip because trip four and five were just, you know, because I had, I was, I was just caught people. And I, then I was, I was very arrogant trip four and five because I won trip one, two, three. So I actually thought I knew what I was doing, you know, before I got wiped out trip six where... Every number went against me, and I lost 50,000 in five minutes, and I was wondering how I ever won a trip, but that was after the factory. Right? It was after giving her 100 grand and being able to make payroll and hold on for another, let's say, 10 weeks. You know, amateur, you know let's say I took 10 grand a week, because that's really what I was short, 10 grand a week before I had to, you know, before I went totally under, had to sell the building, had to let everybody go, and whatever. But, uh, but that was a fucking amazing story again. So really, with a $50,000 payroll, with a $50,000 credit line, I ended up netting 50 because I made 100. Then I had to give them back their 50 once I lost it. But I made 50 grand. And that 50 grand and the 100 float over that time was fucking critical. So again, a nice little hit there. And um, the third hit would be my buddy... Tom Salori, who owns Bacara Restaurant, and her and his wife Laura. Laura worked for me for a ton of years. And uh, they lived in the guest cottage, my guest cottage, when they were building their house in Massapequa. They lived in Farmingdale. They sold their Farmingdale house. They moved into my guest cottage for like three months. And then they moved to the house that they own now, Massapequa. So always when I used to do crazy things, Bahamas, Atlantic City, Vegas, took Tom and Laura. They were very lucky for me and their best friends. We graduated with Tom, 79 Farmingdale, Farmingdale High School. And Tom and Laura were married, met Laura through Tom, and then Laura came to work for me. And then TJ and my son Alex were best friends, you know, when they were growing up from, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, especially... Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You know, those ages, definitely. And so we go to Vegas. And also, 
my sister-in-law's dating a guy, also from Farmingdale, I think graduated 1977 or 8, John Gibbons. And his brother, Billy, is a works at the dice tables in Vegas. So we're going to meet him, and he has a system on we, how we can make money. So I tell Tom this. Tom brings money. I bring money. Maybe, you know, I brought like maybe 10 grand. But I, I had good credit then, even though I didn't have credit lines. So we go to Vegas. We're at Caesars. And he teaches us a system where on the dice table, you bet do not pass. Don't pass. So, you know, I, I explain dice a little bit, but when you're rolling dice, you have two dice. You win right out of the first shoot, throwing them the first time seven or 11 wins, two, three, or 12 loses. Seven or 11 is easy to make. Two, three, or 12 is extremely hard to make. You know, two only one way, 12 only one way, three only two ways. So very hard to make, but that's the game. Okay. So once on, if he if you if you don't roll a seven or an eleven, and you don't roll a two, a three, or twelve, what that means is you rolled a four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. Period. You know, plain and simple. Simple math, okay? So four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. So now you have to, with Bill's system, you're betting with the house, which is how I love to bet. You're betting with the fucking house because you're betting that this fucking guy's definitely going to roll a seven before he rolls his number. Once he establishes his number, whether it's four or five or six or eight, or nine or ten, once that becomes his number. So right out of the box, you got the dice. Seven eleven wins, two, three, twelve, you lose. You throw the dice. Seven and eleven does not come in. Two, three, or twelve does not come in. Does not come in, does not come in. But then what does come in is either four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. Period. 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 Okay. So out of those six numbers, you establish a number. So once that number is established, now the way Billy's showing us you bet is you don't bet. You are betting with the house that this guy is going to throw the seven before he establishes whatever number it was, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. He's so going to throw the seven before he throws any of those six numbers. He's so going to throw a seven before he throws any of those six numbers. So the problem with betting like that is everybody at the fucking table is looking at you like you scumbag fuck because you're betting against them. It becomes personal because it's money. So when you're betting with that system, people fucking hate you at the table. So, but holy shit, we made a quick, you know, Tom Tom made like 5,000. I made like 7,500 and we leave. We give Billy an end. You know, that's what we netted after we gave Billy money too. We meet him again, and the same exact thing. We bet the don't pass, but it's really not fun because I hate it because people are looking at you like you scum. You know, it's just pressure. I'm a people pleaser. You know, I want to talk to people. People don't want to talk to me. I'm like a pariah. So it's not a fun way to make money. It really isn't, but we win again. So now I'm up 15. Tom's up eight, and he's not making another bet the rest of the trip. He's up $8,000. He's not making another bet the rest of the trip. And I'm up 15. 
Okay. So we go back a third time, and um, I do it on my own, and I think I lose the 15 in, like, I don't know, an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, whatever I tried didn't work. So then I was able to get a credit line there for 25000 and ended up losing that, got another twenty five, lost that. Okay. So now I'm down fifty. And I beg for them to give me another ten, which I lose another ten. So I'm down sixty. We go next door to another casino that allows me to sign a credit line for another fifty thousand. And we ended up losing that too. <laughs> we were up forty seven thousand at one point, rolling the second 50, and we I didn't want to walk away, and we blew like 47,000, okay? Okay. So now, I'm, I'm down to like maybe 1,800 in my, to my name in cash, and the credit lines, I'm, I'm down like $110,000. So then Billy, we go to the table with $1,800, $1,800, $1,800. And he rolls it into $95,000, pay off the markers. Still owe 15 grand in the markers. Leaving the casino trip, we've been there for five days, so down 15. Me and my buddy Tom, he, I pay on my credit card, so he gives me a nickel. I think it was like 1,000 for incidentals. We split it. I take the 500, roll it over to play dice, shotgun it in, 35,000 cash later after paying the 15 back, so I owe them my dick, owe them my cock, net 25 grand cash on the plane. At the airport, I buy uh, seven jackets, Jeff Hamilton's, 1,500 each, I call all my friends, my father, to see what team they want, blah, blah. My father picks Rangers. My other friend pick Bears. My other friend pick 49ers. My other friend pick Dolphins. My other friend picked Rams. And those are the jackets I bought. My brother picked the New York Giants. So that's what it was. Get on the fucking plane. See you so long. Bye-bye. So it was 25 grand I made. I spent 7500 so it was like a $15,000 hit, but that's a good fucking gambling story, too. Yeah! Another winning story. Yeah! Now, the best was the dice. <laughs> Before I got on the airport, I don't know, 30 minutes? It's so quick with dice, because if you press and you they roll and you hit numbers, or, they, or you hit the numbers that you're on, it's just very quickly. And especially if you have a roller that's you know, rolling quickly, not a roller that's taking his time. It's 10 minutes between a roll because it can last for hours. But for some reason, when I went during the day, these, these people fired. They just took the dice and threw. They didn't fucking play with the dice, look at the dice, see how many die are on the fucking dice. They just took the dice and threw! And all I did was just win, 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 win. It was fucking amazing. So those are my three really hot gambling stories right now, and that's the podcast, and I love you very much. And um, buy my shirts at BeLikeStew.com for right now, and we're going to eventually have them on StewFinder.com. Next week, we're going to have a meet and greet where I'm going to have a book where you could buy. I'll sign it, 
uh, shirts in my hand. You could buy them and you could snap with me. So it's a meet and greet next week. I don't know where it's going to be yet, but I'll tell you. And uh, we have a couple of places in mind, but we haven't finalized anything, but it'll be next week. You can be your sauce. You can greet with your sauce. Hug it out, snap. You'll have to put on the shirt that you purchase. You'll have to put or hold the book up that you purchase with me signing it. And uh, that's the bottom fucking line. I'm shilling myself out. I'm a whore, which is, I mean, pretty much what I've been my whole fucking life, right? If I'm not a whore, who the fuck is a whore? If Stu Fine is not a whore, who the fuck is a whore? I whore myself out. But I'm proud of it. And thank God I'm a great fuck. And thank God I try so hard. And I'm great at eating ass and great at licking lick and clit. And I'm adequate at fucking, you know, because my dick's so big that it's just, it's fucking hard to fuck when your dick's so big. You really can't really do much work because I don't want to kill anybody. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what am I going to do? Fucking split someone in half? I don't want to do that. So, you know, it's intimidating. Why? It's why after the marathon, I'm going to have the liposuction and my dick reduced. Because what the fuck? I don't need this big of a cock. What the fuck? I'm 56. I'm not fucking women no more. It's not like, hey, baby, look at my dick. The only time anybody's going to ever see my dick again is when I'm in jail, besides my wife. Like, like next, you know, I mean, like, somebody's going to take a picture, exposed, ruin my life, so fuck it. So why do I need this giant fucking cock? For what fucking reason? Besides, hey, look how big my dick is. I want to show everyone, you know? So I'm going to have my dick reduction. Fuck it. As is, I'm going to have to strap it to me during the fucking marathon. People said that I should have it, have it hold all my water bottles, which is probably what I'm going to do. I'm going to strap like three, you know, 12-inch water bottles to it and my electrolytes to it. And then I have these five packs of goop. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to build something around my cock and my cock will be able to store it. So my legs will be free, but I can probably on my dick have three water bottles. I can have my five little goops, which are about three inches and electrolytes. You know, I put them in a little bag. Or I could put it all in my pocket, really. but And then just strap my cock, like, where it is like a belt. You know, just wrap it fucking around and call it a day. I've done that, and I could do that, too. So those are my options on that. So be like stew.com. I want you to buy my shirts right now. We have the Run Stew, which, what do you want to say? You got to fucking run with me. That's the shirt I want you to wear at the marathon when you meet me. And we're going to party somewhere in Manhattan, in the city. We're going to go in Manhattan, in the city. And the after party at the house might happen, might not happen. You know, if my wife threatens to divorce me and change the locks and shoot me, and I, we're not having it. <laughs> Barring that, we're definitely having the Manhattan party there. We're going to go somewhere and eat and drink and party. So that'll be fun. And obviously, you know, if you're underage, you cannot drink, you know, which is 21, 21, 21. And uh, but you could still eat food and have sodas, fine. Because I'm sure we'll have a lot of underage people there, you know, from fucking 14 to who knows, you know, whatever, 12 even, whatever. You wear a run stew shirt, you come out to New York City at the finish line, we go somewhere and eat. You would have great food, snap it out with your sauce. And then anyone older, 21 or older, will be able to get obliterated as long as they have a ride home and uh, they're not driving. And it's in the city, so nobody fucking drives. You don't even got to worry about it. Everybody's taking a cab, taking a limo. You don't even have to ask who's driving. But you always do anyway. So be like stew.com. It has the I'm Stu Finder in your fucking not shirt, which is a breathtaking shirt. And then it has the Life is Simple shirt, which is our biggest seller right now. Uh, 
Eat ass, lick, clit, fuck. That's our number one seller. Eat ass, lick, clit, fuck. Life is simple. And uh, we're going to do another rendition of that. We're going to put under it, stewfinder.com, under it, right on the front. So when someone asks, you'll don't need to say anything because it'll be there and they'll pull me up and then they'll say, wow, are you fucking funny? So let's go! Let's fucking rock and roll! Are you fired up for Friday? Are you fired up for the weekend? Full slate of college football on Friday. Full slate of college football on Saturday. Full slate of NFL on Sunday. On Monday, Monday Night Football, just obviously one game, one total. Ready to roll! Listen, if you're not watching me on Snapchat, why not? Hysterical. If you're not pulling me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, hysterical. Obviously, I'm worth the 10 seconds it takes you to glance on the page. Spread the word. Buy my shirts. Buy my merchandise. Spread the fucking word. Let's rock and roll. I love you. God bless you. I'm Stu Finer. You're fucking not. You never will be. Never, ever, ever. You can't hold my dick. I fucked your mother. Probably fucked your grandmother. Some cases, maybe fucked your great-grandmother. Fucked your sister. Fucked your daughter. They've been on my dick.